What's going on, Star Wars fans? You are listening to the Man Bro Lorians, and we have another recap episode for you. We will be covering episodes five through eight, just in time for the premiere on Friday of The Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, this is your host, Gerard. I am joined, as always, by Brian Karasik. Hello, folks. Good to be back on mic with you guys. Took him a second there. <laughs> Daniel Leahy is with us as well. Hey, what's up, guys? Good to be here. And we have an amazing special guest. The one, the only, Mr. Dallas Wood. What's up, guys? <laughs> I won't rap because I'm trying to be like really good and not cuss on your program. <laughs> this is going to be so hard it. for you. Oh, dude. You I know you can know. do it. <laughs> no, I, trust me. I know. We know every week. <laughs> um, we're looking forward to it. We're going to go over all those um, those cool, cool four episodes, talk about the stuff that we liked about them, and uh, just get a little refresher before we um, dig back into a new season. But before we do that, do a little bit of the uh, the biz, as some people call it. Make sure you check out Baraxium Quick Shot. Those come out on Wednesdays. Check that out in the morning. Uh, check out the Alliance of Star Wars Fanatics on Facebook, uh, where we all get together and talk about what we love, which is Star Wars. And um, we have some good conversations there, a place you can talk about Star Wars and not get you know crapped on. So it's a nice, safe place for people that just want to talk about it without all the nonsense. Um before we get into the episodes, we had Mando Monday yesterday. There was a lot of cool stuff that came out. I missed a lot of it, but I know you guys did not. So why don't we start with uh, Dallas? You're our guest. What was your favorite thing about Mando Monday? Can I talk about my least favorite thing first? Yes. <laughs> Go for it, man. I would almost prefer that. <laughs> Din Djarin's helmet off, like looking like sloth from Goonies bull. <laughs> Didn't he look like Big Head Han Solo from the seven from seventy six? That thing was awful. The first, the not first even two thing minutes. Was, hey, you guys! Like it's just not okay. You're absolutely right, Dallas. Okay, so it's so gross. Holy crap! It's so that bad. thing was like. I mean, I mean, I saw so many great like comparisons. I thought the Poe head was bad enough, and then they came out with this one. It's like, come did they model it from Pedro Pascal after the mountain crushed his head? <laughs> well, I, forgive me for not remembering who messaged uh, me on Twitter when I posted a, this. To a but somebody was like, "It's almost as, as if Hasbro is like after the handsome dudes, and this is like revenge against them for being so handsome." And I'm like, "Maybe." I mean, because like they can't get the handsome guys right. No, no, they can't. I mean, I, they, they they've gotten better over time. Ones? But Remember seeing those, was it? Where did we see that? They had like the new 3D head molds from Yeah, the, yeah, I mean they're Skywalker. supposed to be better at their sculpts awesome. and then they give us this crap. Very Who knows though? I mean maybe uh, this stuff takes so much time and I tell you what, this the thing I was most impressed about for this whole event was the amount of stuff that they were showing. I was like, "Oh, okay, like another one of these. Wow, more figure like they had a ton of stuff they were doing, so I wonder if maybe on the Hasbro side they were putting out so many assets that <laughs> they're like, well, everyone keeps the Mandalorian helmet on anyway, so let's not spend as much time on making it perfect, which would be a, a, a poor oversight, in my opinion, if that was the case. But they definitely rooked Pedro Pascal. He does not look good. No. There's no <laughs> way that dude's not pissed when he sees that thing. Like, I, I wouldn't I, want that on my shelf. I would say my, my favorite thing. Just to get off the negative, because I had to mention that first, because it was just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't keep that bottled up. Sure. I, I would say that remote control Baby Yoda for like about 70 bucks, that's going to be the thing. And like on our show, The Bad Motivators, we were talking last night about how like Eric was kind of like, oh my gosh, like $70, that's too much. I'm like, man. Remember the Sphero? I'd rather have this than the Sphero, and I have a Sphero that I paid a hundred dollars for. Hundred seventy seems like a bargain. Just saying, it, for a uh, baby Yoda that's animated and walks yeah. around and does all his cute stuff. Like, thank you, I'll take it. Yeah, I have a Spin Masters BB-8 that about it's about two hundred plus when it was first on the shelf, but they don't right? make them anymore. But for seventy, I mean, just why complain? That's great. I it's love like Eric, a bad but deal. man, they, I was, what he was saying that I'm like, they want almost the same amount of money for that crappy figure. Yeah, I mean, 
I bought my R2 Sphero for I think 95 and it was on dramatically on sale because I think it was 158 or something brand new. Yeah, yeah, close, yeah. yeah, close to 200. Yeah. So when it was 90 something, I was, yeah, buy it. No regrets. But when they're starting at 70, yeah, I'll just get one. I'm not going to wait for it to go on sale. But I'm excited about that. And um, just kind of disappointed in a lot of the repaint repackaging. The Scout Trooper with Baby Yoda. They just put a little Baby Yoda on a Scout Trooper and repainted it with some Tatooine sand or whatever the hell you know, the I'm, planet is. I'm interested in that, too, because I've always been a little distasteful of their tendency to release the same exact figure in a different color. Hey, kids, you just bought this for $12. Buy it again because it's translucent blue. And they really sure. kind of... I think they went over the line with that with the Stormtroopers. Like... I get I'm army so builders fine, troopers. but oh. yeah, I mean, you get the clone troopers and the stormtroopers. Now we get dirty stormtrooper, the remnant stormtrooper. And I, I don't, I don't fault them. I realize that this is not a charity. They're in this to make money, mm-hmm. but sometimes it feels a little bit like, Hey, buy this thing again. Cause now the box is white. Oh, you'll buy it kid. You know, it just, it's, I did. I did. I did too. I, I had to buy every white box. I know. I aimed that at both of you. And I respect it. I mean, the, there is a market for it, obviously. It just sometimes it feels a little bit like they're just throwing any crap out there because they know we'll buy it. I'm going to get all serious about toys. All of us are sitting in rooms with toys. We are, us. yeah. I, I, I would be if I were not on the road. <laughs> I'm going to forgive Hasbro for some of this repackaging, repainting, sure, because sure. they finally came to their senses and announced a Jar Jar. Yes. So that's very. I can't true. wait to get that. I, I hope I'm it's got the it hottest on toy they ever come out with. Yes. I've come around on the Jar Jar topic myself. It's it's trendy now. It's it's like Jar Jar is like high school in that I really hated it when I was there, but now 20 years <laughs> later, I'm friends with half those people on Facebook. Like, hey, what's up? Like, what's up, Brooke? I didn't think I'd ever hear from you. I hated Brooke, and Brooke hated me, and I shouldn't use her real name. Remember when we smoked <laughs> weed in the camper in the parking lot back behind the high school? That was oh, awesome. I was That's in the D&D anyway, club so. in high school. I don't have those stories. That was awesome, Mr. Jones. Yeah. All right. I see what you guys are saying with this, by the way, but I would like to implore you to consider a reality where we didn't get this variety of figures. Like, yeah, I know, True. like, the, the the scout trooper is just the old scout trooper bike w- dirtied up and with a baby Yoda. But that's still another cool trooper in that we get to have as a toy. Now, I will push I, back against... We do not need five C-3PO's. I'm sorry. We do not need five of those. Because I, three of them are the exact same Would it be a Star Wars conversation if we weren't complaining about something? No, I know. But Fair it's enough. a bunch of... No, but that's a good point. We have an obligation to put it in my toys. place. Yeah, it's one of those things yeah. I like to consider. It's like it could be worse. We could have, you know, no cool new stuff. I mean, the variety is like when you get a variety like we got this time, there's going to be some duds. I mean, we, we haven't really talked about some of the major things, but like the vintage three and three quarters Moff Gideon is maybe one of the best figures I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. That is insane. Like I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It's phenomenal. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito loved it. He went nuts for it. Um, yeah, there's just... There's just so much cool stuff. I mean, go to StarWars.com and it's on their front page if you guys want to look at it and you're kind of just like wondering what came and that made the money. Or watch the video that's on the Star Wars YouTube channel. But uh, but yeah, we couldn't possibly cover every single thing on this show. What was uh, your favorite thing, Leahy? If you had to pick, you could only pick one thing that you saw, what would be the one thing that you would buy? Uh, I, I know we, I know we joked about it, but the Mando figure with uh, Baby Yoda, because I still don't have a Mando figure, because I've been looking for like the bronze packaging, and I need to give up on that and just go get the one with Baby Yoda. So I, I know that's a weird thing to pick as my favorite, but I just I just really like the classic figure for some reason. That's my thing. I like that. Or the Instant Pot that has Baby Yoda all over it. That was pretty fun. <laughs> Brian, of all the stuff you saw, if you could only buy one thing, what would you buy? A pair of the shoes. I think the shoes are cool. <laughs> my favorite collectibles are not necessarily how I put it to my wife. She got me a coffee cup that says property of the Death Star Cantina. Do not remove. And that's, that's my one. jam right there. I don't want a t-shirt that says Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I want a t-shirt that says Moss Easley Cantina. I want a, I want a hat that says, you know, uh, Bunta Pod Race 22 BBY. You know, whatever, whatever year it is. Wouldn't it be funny if they made a hat that said that? But um, I, I, I'll make you that hat. Too I sorry. like the sort of things that that someone in Star Wars would wear, not a Star Wars fan would wear. Yeah, that's and a so really the, good call. The shoes, I for like me. that. 
What about you, Dallas? Mm-hmm. I like the idea of, of T-shirts that say, I had my kids at Exegol. Now they're <laughs> Sith Troopers. It's like a hot spot, you know, like the Silk and Poke. You know, oh, your parents go to like the hot springs, the natural I hot springs. I would see that. I like it. You know what I mean? Like Exegol is like the Silk and Poke for like people who are just degenerates, you know? I'd hey. like to see like the side of Exegol, like all those Sith cultists there. Like where's the McDonald's they're all eating at? You're like, where, What's the support function for all of this huge community that's been hiding there? Yeah. I love it. I love it. They're so not certain, that does need to be explored. Certain political rallies remind me of, you know, that arena on Exegol. I'm just, no lies. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, just crazy like that. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. We got we got boop beep sounds for that. Okay. Um, Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. Me, that's me and Steve's uh, dream book is James Luceno writing a book about Palpatine's uh, grand plan and the stuff on Exegol and all that. Thank it's you. So good. Thank it's you. It's our dream for that. Yeah. Thank you. Who writing that? I'm sorry. James Luceno, our boy. It has to be okay, him, man. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. The Plagueis yeah, it, novelist himself. He's so I'm still friends so with him on Facebook, think, but, which yeah. feels good, but he has never once responded to any message or indication that he's alive. So I feel like I'm friends with a bot that operates his Facebook page. <laughs> <rather It's laughs> probably his manager or yeah. something. He's a private yeah. dude. I it's know his that. nephew. Well, I used to, I used to pretty proudly say that I, uh, McDiarmid liked a tweet. I tweeted a, a picture, a selfie I took of myself and the emperor figure at Madame Tussauds Wax Museum, and and I he liked it, and I was like yes, and I took a screenshot and I printed it out, and that's my like yeah, he knows who I that I exist. Uh, no fake account, <laughs> and apparently well known for years, and like the best. Man. The guy was the guy was tweeting in response to like. Carrie Fisher's death, you know, as though he was mm. actually Ian McDiarmid, and people are like, dude, this is not cool. And so finally, Word. like, well, he he took me for it too. But you know what? Somebody somebody who took the time to really play the role liked my tweet, and that's next best thing. He said I looked dashing. Anyway, carry on, carry on. He eh. did. He did. Uh, you always do. All well, right. There's some stuff. I, there's. I like that Yoda thing. That was one of the few things that I did see because I really didn't mm-hmm. pay too much attention. That is the best to, thing that they it, came it, out it's, with. It's trying to it, sleep and work. There's a lot of stuff, but I mean, there's a lot of me- mediocrity in that chunk of stuff. But that mm-hmm. that was definitely like cream of the crop of the lot, yeah. in my opinion. It's good stuff. You know, we'll probably buy half of it anyway. Even the stuff we say we don't like, just because. <laughs> you'd think, but I got yeah. a house to build, so I'm being yeah. real picky lately. <laughs> A lot of this stuff Smart ends man. up on like the Target, uh, you know, the the Target shelf, you know, towards, you know, because this stuff's coming out now. So like around Christmas time, like after Black Friday, there's always that kind of Star Wars section. It's like, all right, this is from like the last event we put out and here's some of the leftover stuff. And I always peruse that and be like, oh, you know what? I remember seeing that when it came out. I think I might get that. Every yeah. once in a while, I'll grab something off that yeah. shelf. You wait so, till it goes on sale. You do what yeah. I did before we went yeah. to Celebration in Orlando. I brought, I brought down a bag full of Constable Zuvios. And I gave them away to kids when I saw them. It's like, hey, you want to stop Free Star Wars guy? And I just uh, Constable Zuvio, the Zuvios. Lobot of the sequel trilogy. Yeah, because they were everywhere and they were like 50 cents. Dude, but you Lobot can walk into a Walmart now. Time, though. Yeah, Lobot got infinite. He legit was time. on the screen like 70% more than... I, I mean, just mean I, the, the we toy. We didn't even see Constable Zuvio. <laughs> oh, the toy, yeah. My grandmother gave me that Lobot toy for Christmas in 1980. Yeah, 1980. And what she said was, I'll never forget, God love her. Well, I got you this Star Wars man, and I think he must be the most important one in the whole movie because the store didn't have anyone else. <laughs> Your Even at six, a saint. I'm like, Grandma, that's not how that works. But, Dude. but I was a good boy. Like, thank hey. you so much. He's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Just know that guy was only control, c- controlled by Lando's Apple Watch. I mean, that's true. Pretty he's sweet. Kind of, he's kind of cool. I wish I had to watch him control somebody like that. I also feel like he was the pit boss at the Bespin Casino. Have we read the Lando graphic novel where we see how Lobot yeah. became? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lobotomized. It's so good. Yeah. That's the, one of the best comic books that Marvel's put out. Is the mm-hmm. Lando Lobot stuff? Did I just happen on the reason they named him that? Lobotomized. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah, <gasps> I'm guessing that's what it was from. Yeah. <laughs> I literally in 40 years I've never really, really? put that together. You never like you put serious? those two and two together. Well, that makes sense with you, G. Yeah. So. Well, that was good stuff, man. Yeah. It, it's um, it's going to be exciting to buy some of that stuff and 
Maybe How do we feel about the Dark Saber? I wish they'd come out with a Force FX version of it, not the little target hanging. I I, I can tell you from some inside a little, little inside lightsaber community knowledge, they're working on it, but it's in process. We get a Dark Saber before we get a Sidious. I'm just saying it feels a little bit unpatriotic. Oh, but the dark saber is so much more important. Than and it's Sidious so much cooler saber. too. The city of saber looks like the golden girls joined the dark side, but I just, I have yeah. to like it. You know. I actually personally love the twin saber, both of them together when he has both of them. His dark Wars. one is, is on. yeah. The, the, like the matte, like the evil version. Right. It's like he has different skins for it's his lightsaber. Like it's a video one. game. Yeah, yeah. It really is like that. Um, all right. Should yeah, we, cool uh, should we get yeah. right in nineties? We'll, we'll, we'll get into some vibes. episodes. <clears throat> we'll get into the episodes. Cause it's all like, swoopy and goldeny. Like he put a bunch of work into laying out this little outline we have. So sure, yeah. So I'll go. It's turned so, over. So uh, I will uh, go through. We'll we'll do the first. We'll do chapters five and then chapter six and then we'll do seven and eight together. Um, and I'll start with a brief little synopsis and then um, Dallas, our guest, we'll start with you with just general thoughts in the episode. And then um, I got a few questions and things I might ask you guys, but we'll just we'll just go from there. I'm having a foggy brain today, so we'll just. <laughs> We'll just get after it and talk about this stuff because these four episodes are incredible. Yeah, like ten minutes an episode, so I'll keep an eye on it so mm-hmm. we don't go. We can go down the Karasik hole real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will mess you guys up. I swear to God, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chapter Five: The Gunslinger. With the Razor Crest damage in a dogfight, the Mandalorian is forced to land at the nearby planet of Tatooine. After making a deal with a local hangar to fix his ship, the Mandalorian finds work helping a new bounty hunter named Toro Calican catch the famed hired gun Fennec Shand. After they captured her, after they capture her, Toro betrays the Mandalorian in an attempt to claim him as the prize. The Mandalorian foils the attempt and kills Toro in the process, paying the mechanic her money and flying on his way. All right, Dallas. So what so this episode um wh- what do you got for me? What do you think of this one? The swoop bikes were cool. Very like Anakin S that the one he gets to ride is mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the same model. I didn't get that sweaty with this looking into that, but it, it certainly is, I don't is think made it to is. appear like it. Close yeah, I think it's a design for this show, but sure. Yeah, uh, of course, possibly that being Boba Fett at the end of the episode. I mean, this the nostalgia <laughs> stuff was cool, but I mean, like yeah. at the same time, you're just like, ugh. You oh, you think it leaned a little too heavy on the nostalgia? No, me, no, no. I like right. that. Oh. That was like the redeeming quality of the episode. It was just like sure. Toro's is so unpalatable. Oh, he yeah. straight up sucks. It's it's just discount <laughs> Han Solo. Like man, I could have gone to Walmart, but we went to Dollar Tree to get to get this Han Solo. I mean, I sure. just feel like there'd be if you're gonna go that route, there'd just be like, hey. Why don't you hire Alden Ehrenreich and do like a kind of you know what I mean like fun knockoff of that would have been way better than what we got. Yeah, he's sure. basically like if he was a movie, he'd be the Turkish version of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, that, he's that the terrible, RoboCop like... three of Star Wars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, if you've ever wow. seen that, that's a considerable burn. Oh, dude! Yeah. If you've ever seen that, it is a atrocious burn. You need some fifty SPF for that one. Can, can I raise you? He's the fourth season of Airwolf of Star Wars. I don't I love even know Airwolf. That show. You don't watch you your dare, mouth. sir. That's you watch okay. I love Airwolf, but season four they bought the license to re- keep making the show, but they didn't buy the helicopter. Every aerial fight in the season in season four is just stock footage, to the point okay. that Airwolf will be coming in in a daytime shot and shooting at enemies that are. Nighttime shot. Okay, this enjoy your Jum- thing I've German ever my pop star b- in a car. Oh, <laughs> that's three. You guys are getting me. <laughs> right. But I do love Airwolf. But the the fourth season was a, a little bit. Anyway, so I guess it's a bad analogy. Let's stick with Robocop three. Back to the show. <laughs> sure. So all right. So 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 that's something I think we can all be like. Okay, I think if I had to pick my least favorite character that has major screen time in the whole series, Toro's like the most forgettable one. Um, I like that he gets got. At the end, because like yeah, everyone who's gone to you know a college and met a you know d bag frat guy they don't like has always wanted that to happen or what happened to him happened to that guy right? I, I think <laughs> like, totally. I think that character totally was aimed guy. that way. They're like, hey, look, yeah. look how much fun is this going to be? Guy, guy, guy going to be to kill? Yeah, and I and I think that's that's the case. I think he was meant to to really uh, upset the Mandalorian and kind of just push him. You know, kind of just be a 
device in a way. I mean, this this episode is one of those ones where remember when Filoni would talk about in Rebels, he's like, this isn't a throwaway episode. This episode matters. Like there's stuff that happened in this episode that matters. And then, you know, at the end of season three, we realized the TIE fighter they stole in episode three of season one is the thing they're going to use to get Kana. You know what I mean? Like there's there's stuff like that that might happen in the show. So I'm kind of I kind of hold judgment on this till the series done, because who knows, like Dallas brought up the boots walking up at the end. Who knows who that is? I mean, a lot of people think it's Fett. I seem to think it would be really cool if it was Fett. We know that uh, Favreau loves Boba Fett um, and they've really not done any content related to Boba Fett in the entire what now almost eight, nine years Disney has owned Lucasfilm, they've stayed so far away from that subject. So I think it's about time that we revisit that and spend some time with that character again. And I wouldn't be opposed to him surviving. I don't care. His death in Return of the Jedi is kind of bogus. I think we can all agree on that. He mm-hmm. kind of deserved better. Um, we never see him do anything he's known for on screen. Everything good about Boba Fett is portrayed in the books. Yeah. Or comics, yeah. Mm. I yeah. call him Fett X. All he does is take <laughs> delivery of someone that Darth Vader packaged up and then delivers him to, to uh, Jabba. It's disappointing. <laughs> and and I will say, I was not a super duper fan of him, but I did like that he was like unique. And then once Clone Wars poured an entire planet of Mandalorians out on the table, like, well, it kind of takes away from Boba Fett. And even, I, I know they've they've kind of redconned that with the Clan of Two thing. But for a while there, it felt like Boba Fett wasn't even a Mandalorian. He's just wearing armor that he basically inherited from his dad, who kind of got kicked off the planet. Like, I, am I am I missing something? But like, he wasn't grow, he didn't grow up on Mandalore. He wasn't no. raised in Mandalorian tradition. He was just Jango Fett's kid. Sure. I mean, I, I would. St- I'm still definitely. I think the official thing is that he's not a Mandalorian. Like the Mandalorians don't accept them as Mandalorians, but I think they want to be Mandalorians at the same time. So I don't. That's kind of a weird. I don't touch that subject because I don't care either way, and I know people get really passionate about it. So sure. I mean, I like him. I I, I uh, often I complain about so- that sort of thing and. You guys have heard me groan about, oh, geez, they're going to shoehorn it. Like everybody in the in the original trilogy has to be in five minutes of the Han Solo movie. So that we all, oh, it's that guy, it's that guy. But I would buy it. I, I think Fett would be, if the Mando is famous enough to have, you know, been this much of a bounty put on him, surely Fett got word of it if he's still extant in, the, in this timeline. It's got to be him. Sure. Yeah. So going back to things we things we enjoyed and favorites of the episode. Um, Dallas, as far as the nostalgia moments go, because you said you loved the nostalgia. That was your thing for this. What were like, you know, one or two of the best things in the episode that you enjoyed? From a nostalgia s- standpoint? Yeah, yeah. Oh, RD5, uh, R5-D4 there in the cantina. And the fact yeah. that droids weren't allowed in that cantina and then all of a sudden it's overridden with droids. It's like a mm-hmm. big F you to that dude that was behind the bar in A New Hope. It's yeah. like, called oh, occlusion, yeah? bro. You're going to be like, you know, segregationist. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to own this bar in the future. You know what I mean? It was kind of cool. Yeah, um, and um, Mark Hamill actually voices one of the droids in the bar, the bartender, mm-hmm. EB9D9. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. was a pretty cool. I learned that today, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, think, I, I didn't think learn Hamill re- just, like, sneaks into the lot, like, every time they're filming? is like, surprise! And, like, he's yeah, in costume yeah. and a disguise yeah. with some silly big nose. He's like Warwick Davis. Surprise, he's just Mo there Ferris. all of a sudden. He's, he's always I ready. feel like he's done more voice work for Star Wars than face work at this point. That's true. It's really true, actually. He's good we'll at see. it. We'll see. I mean, I'm sure screen time-wise, that's not true, but he's done quite a bit. This episode was, I love the nostalgia part of it, too. Them what was your into, favorite thing? Just coming into Moss Eisley. Mm-hmm. That was just, it's like it's like going home again. You know, it yeah. was it was does, very cool. Does he park at dark, uh, Docking Bay 94? 35. 35. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So they didn't go full bore. Just no. slap us that, on that the would have been just, that would have been yeah, awesome. But the top, then, right? but then everyone would have said, Hey man, that's what, what there's other numbers, you know, there's, yeah, no, there's just, no carbon scoring behind where the ship should be. Oh, true that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy yeah. does sound exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like the uh, little flippy, uh, flippy top droids that the spaceport manager had. Yeah. Oh, the, uh, um, little prequel throwback. Yeah. 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 From, I wonder uh, if they're the same droids. They're, they probably yeah. all have the same programming. But I, I did want to say, this is, we have another comedian cited, Amy Sedaris, playing the spaceport manager. Did you guys like her performance? I did. She didn't really do anything for me. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it, it grows on me. It's kind of like, she's a little over the top, but she's like, like the, little, like the crazy personality aunt. for a mechanic. Like everybody's got, you know, like one of those, like you see them at holidays and stuff, and they're always like the weird one. And right. 
<laughs> no big arm movements around Aunt, Sid, Aunt Amy. Yeah. <laughs> I sure. liked her performance. I I gotta say, original recipe Mulan as Fennec was a, a big a big win for me. I really liked her her portrayal. Yeah, uh, Fennec was a cool was yeah. a really cool character, and I hope that there's something to do at the end of the episode where she comes back because you know she was a hired gun for all the syndicates. We got to see all those syndicates in the Clone Wars do really cool stuff. So that's just a cool link. Um, what these last four episodes do, and I know I'll talk about this. I, I'll bring this up later. Is the amount of the amount of tie-ins that this show does to other materials is insane. Like it, it it's actually it feels like a, the way like the books are, where the books will be like, oh, you know, and we're drinking like some Alderanian wine, and we have this droid, and like you re- that droid is from episode two in the background, and like it, all those connections that books are allowed to do. This show does really successfully. This show um, gets all the fanboys, so we get all the cool does. stuff that we like, but. People that haven't seen it before, like this show's awesome. Yeah, you know they don't know what any of that crap means, but the show's still a good show. Yeah, and it, it hits oh. that vein really well. And I think you guys said it, uh, Gerard. You said it felt like coming home this episode. And while it, it lacked in maybe uh, plot and character, I think it just had a lot of cool Star Wars Easter eggs in there that kept me pretty satisfied. And this one I really enjoyed rewatching. Um, all right. Should we move on to episode six? This one yes. is real juicy. My man. All right. Chapter six, The Prisoner. The Mandalorian is asked by the leader of his old crew to assist in a prison break job. Trouble ensues as the motley crew keeps messing with the Mando. The job goes wrong and a distress signal to the New Republic is sent out. After freeing their ally from a cell, the Mandalorian is betrayed by his crew and locked in that same cell. He breaks free, and one by one, he hunts them down, putting them in a cell together to await their fate with the New Republic. The Mandalorian finishes the job, delivering the prisoner to his old boss, leaving the New Republic distress beacon on their station, sealing their fate as well. So good. It's so good. All right, all right, G. So I know (laughs) what your favorite thing in this episode was, so go ahead and just talk about it. I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise ass. <laughs> Bill I'm Burr so is so Bill Burr. good. He's, He's so good. Such a great addition. Oh He's yeah. So good. He's so funny. The crap he says, man. I want to party with that dude. I want to see more. That's that's something I'd like to buy. Is that one of those arms? Like oh yeah, the, 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 backpack the backpack arm, a wearable <laughs> backpack arm. Maybe yeah, not yeah. one that actually moves around and stuff, but it'd be pretty cool to have one that you could position and lock in place. I thought I wanted to pop a taco out. A gun. <laughs> Bam, you know, I mean, thanks, who doesn't man. need a third hand, right? Yeah, uh, uh, to get a taco backpack right there, easy tamale, tamale yeah. to go. Who needs a gun? Oh I just need an arm that delivers tacos randomly when I need one. <laughs> so he's billed as an a former Imperial sharpshooter, and that's not a stormtrooper rank I've heard of. I, I was envisioning him as like a, a death trooper that kind of bailed on it. Seems like an sure. oxymoron. Don't call him a stormtrooper. Well, yeah, and I liked that. <laughs> I liked his sort of allusion to the stormtroopers can't shoot things uh, trope. They do that mm-hmm. often. <laughs> well, we know that they can do. I mean, Rogue One does a great job of showing troops actually do stuff sometimes, you know, like actually be effective. Um, well, I so think rebels in some ways. I think it's a hack joke and kind of I, I think it's it should be retired because honestly, I don't think anybody wants to see a movie that is what happens when a bunch of ragtag rebels go up against special forces because that movie's seven minutes long and it has a very bad ending. Like sure. stormtroopers don't hit the good guys because the good guys have to survive to the end of the movie. That's how science fiction heroes work. And, sure. Uh, but instead, everybody just bad mouths the stormtroopers like these guys are patriots. They're putting their lives on the line for the Empire people. These blast points, too precise. Right. Somewhere they shot somebody because they've convinced Kenobi that they're good at it. But Hey, they shot all Kenobi's boys. Kenobi fought with them. And not to mention, they shoot Leia nine minutes into the first movie. Yeah, but with a stun that is like... It's still a good shot. hit the target. You still got to aim. (laughs) They still shoot her even if it's nerf. It's just like anything else. You probably got some clowns, and you got a jabroni that can't hit the broadside yeah, of a barn, and then you got the the Bill Burr sniping people from way back. You know. Sometimes you go to a McDonald's or Taco Bell or Arby's or whatever that's just gosh darn terrible, and then yeah. some of them are amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not clones. Kenobi thought they were all clones. I, I doubt Kenobi realized they were just regular old humanity of the galaxy. As stormtroopers, you know, at this point we're dealing with human error more than like specially trained grown troops. 
So there mm-hmm. is something to be said for that. Yeah, which is which is we get a good dose of that in the solo movie where like he recognizes how incompetent kind of the people around him are. And he's like, are we really doing this? Like, what is happening? Yeah. You know, and, and <laughs> it's a good it's a, it, they're both effective and incompetent at the same time. Yeah. So because I, mean, I, I agree with Brian, it's an old trope that's kind of like, all right, yeah, we get it. There's this giant military that took over the galaxy that's somehow completely ineffective. And I like it when we're shown someone from the Empire that is super effective like uh bill burr is in this episode um but yeah so uh i wanted to i wanted to bring up another kind of uh clash in morality i saw i guess is the new republic i know where i'm jumping to the end of the episode but the new republic just blowing up that station without asking any questions just because their distress beacon is there. They were launching a gunship, so they, they took action. They said, yeah, but like, it looks like they're launching a gunship, and they were like, all right, we'll take them out. You mess dude, with them, you go it's down, It's not bro. like they were shooting an unarmed dude in the street. Sure, sure, sure. I, it just felt a little odd to me. That's something that I still, on the rewatch, push back on. I'm like, really? You're not going to send like a warning? Or like, I guess they're launching a gunship. You just shoot it down. You don't want to lose one of your Like, boys, if they'd but... shown up to the prison ship and blew all those prisoners away, that'd be like, man, that's a little aggressive. But That would have been bad. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You got some random, you know, black hole looking spaceship thing there. Well. You make the first move, they took you mm-hmm. out. My guess would be that Distress Beacon's standing order is, if this is going off, you're annihilating something. Okay. That's like, a good like that would be my my assumption based on how they set that up. But wasn't it awesome to see who was flying one of those X-Wings? Yeah. All three of them. Oh, all and one, yeah. one was more special to me, though. Fukuyama and uh, who was the other? Uh, De- Deborah Chow. Uh, Deborah Chow, yeah, yeah. who was doing the Kenobi series, of course. She's going to crush it. It's gonna be awesome. Seeing Filoni um, was cool. He must that have been was so a cool, happy. It, it was a cool cameo by those three to have them in the X Wings. That was pretty cool. I love how he gets to say they're launching a gunship. Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> we're we're in X Wings. <laughs> I mean, this is not gonna end badly for good good for them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think we should let it go by that it's such a good story too. By the way, I just really enjoyed that. Show. Like, it's almost a bottle episode, but. Right. The way the way their their inevitable betrayal of the Mando, his inevitable escape from that cell, yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's so well done. And while we're talking casting, though, I do want to shout out Natalia Tena, Lang Zhan, the Twi'lek um, assassinoid. Yeah. Are you talking Tonks? Yeah, exactly. All right. I thought she did great. Like I like her in everything: Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, Star Wars. Bring it on. I just, I really enjoyed the, this. This, I think, was my favorite episode. And not just because I love Bill Burr, but mm-hmm. I just thought the storyline was great. And I really, I love to see the Mando like be good at stuff. Cause a lot of times, as I alluded to with Boba Fett, we hear how good someone is, but we don't really get to see them be good at it. Like Han Solo is the best smuggler in the galaxy, but we don't see a whole lot of smuggling out of him. Mm-hmm. It's just really cool to have like Mando has this reputation. Yeah. And oh, well, there, there it is. There, that's why well, he has that reputation. This, really good. This episode has a good like, you know, it's Halloween time right now. It has like that mm-hmm. Friday the Thirteenth vibe going on yes. with the Mando chasing him down. Like such a great touch to it. It's not my favorite episode. Chapter eight is, but this is in the top. You know, three for the season easily. It's very good. I didn't like it at first. Is what's funny is like now that really? I rewatched it a bunch of times. Yeah, I've, interesting. I came around to. I I couldn't get past Clancy's performance. He just bugged the. Sh- crap out of me oh yeah dude i did not like him the first time around it took me a few watchings to get around to that it's just it was just off-putting at first you know not expecting it sure but you know like i said i came around yeah clancy's a very like when he's on screen and his voice is just so clancy yeah you know what i mean it's yeah what is he he's a deveronian is that what that alien species Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. you know he was one of those was in the cantina in the first movie anyway yeah with the creepy eh. i would uh i uh touching on what you said dallas the the horror vibes of this episode were just phenomenal and we we don't get a lot of that in star wars you know like the the vader hallway scene was like the most horrific thing i think this one does it a little better because it is more scary you know at the end you find out no one dies and i think that's kind of cool because that sets up you know maybe a uh a return of some of these characters later because I think they could tell that some of these people would be fan favorites, hmm. um, especially Bill Burr. Uh, oh. But yeah, it, it was really well done and it was, it's cool to see star Wars 
take risks and take risks with genres because a lot of times we see like the movies are all stay within a certain you know space fantasy genre and there are moments where you touch on different things but this one just straight up went horror town i mean it just did it went from heist movie to horror you know it went from oceans 11 to friday the 13th so and i thought that was really bold and it transitioned well well. yeah it was uh it was Um, fun it was fun to watch why do you guys think Mando left them alive and then just killed them? Because he has no issue killing people. I, I think I don't think he just indiscriminately kills people like Moff Gideon probably does. You know, I think he's got sure. a code. You know, he's a Mando. Yeah, and but that uh, was like there any money were, in it? He was going. Yeah, out maybe someone cargo. will pay him to kill them yeah. later. He's yeah. like, well, yeah. let's, you know, was there That's any true. money in it? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, he didn't kill uh, what's his face at the end, but he set him up pretty good. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Good grief. I'd like to I'd like to think that he's sort of coming to terms with maybe I don't know. Do you think do you think the child's been rubbing off on him even in a, a subtle sense of like Absolutely. maybe not indiscriminately murder everybody? Because I mean if I think all four of us would agree if we were in that position and had the resources, I don't think any of us would leave those folks alive, would you? I definitely would not have. No. Right? No. No chance. But I played just, way too I'm much Red Dead too to be leaving people alive behind. <laughs> yeah, World of Warcraft here, but same deal. <laughs> kill him and camp him i i it was just it's just an interesting thing because i I didn't really have an answer in my own head for that i didn't have an issue with it either it's just kind of like oh hmm it's an interesting growth moment he he it's part of his part of mando growing and in these in these standalone episodes the three middle ones all kind of sit on their own and i think it's the thing that can get lost in the sauce with them is the way the mandalorian grows through the experiences he's confronted with in them um, I think we fo- get to focus a lot on the guest stars and the settings and the nostalgia stuff or the new stuff. Speaking of this one, this episode, in contrast to the last one, has an incredible amount of new things. So it's the first time on screen, not Force Awakens, you know, all that time. You get to see like New Republic, like fresh New Republic. I thought that was really cool. Um, all the droids on the prison ship. We're pretty rad. I mean, like no one ever talks yeah. about those droids, but they're awesome looking. They were pretty cool. The Dalek looking black ones that flow, and then the like commando looking ones that Amando just uh, has his way with. Kind uh, of a shout I just out to B one battle droids. Like they're just taken yeah. apart, like they're made out of Lego. Sure, these ones seem to be like a little, a little tougher. But I mean, uh, by Mando, yeah, yeah like a little smarter. They can actually fight too, like hand to hand. They're throwing, throwing shots at them and stuff too. You know, it was a pretty good little fight they had going on. Yep. Sure. Um, I, but if anyone, unless anyone has anything else they wanted to quick mention about this one, I'm going to move on to the finale because I think this is the juiciest part of the entire show, and it definitely deserves uh, the most time spent on it. Absolutely. Um. All right, so chapters 7 and 8, The Reckoning and Redemption, respectively. Receiving a distress call from a living grief carga, the Mandalorian decides to return to Navarro to bring peace to the child's life. He first recruits Kara, then Quill and IG-11, to be his escorts. After landing on the planet, they they travel with Grief and his crew towards the city. After a night raid by several winged beasts, Grief is left mortally wounded only to be saved by the child's extraordinary power. Grief then has, an, has a change of heart about betraying the Mando and decides to join in protecting the child. After their attempt at faking their handoff to the client goes nearly goes awry, the cantina is shot at by Imperial troopers, killing both the client and all of his troops. Moff Gideon lands in his TIE fighter, gives the crew a choice, come out or die. A firefight ensues as IG-11, the now nurse droid, rescues the child from Imperial clutches and begins rampaging the town. After continued fighting and chasing, our hero is left mano a mano to face Moff Gideon. The Mandalorian wins in the fight, wins the fight, and the Moff's tie crashes into the ground. All is well, once again, or so it seems. Nicely. All right. All right, Dallas. This is your this is your favorite set. You're our guest. Uh, just give us your whole breakdown, how this made you feel, what were your favorite things. Go for it, man. I really liked how they tied up this. This was a bookend to the first chapter. Yeah. You have the beginning of IG-11 story, the end of IG-11 story. Mm-hmm. They begin with saving the child. They end with saving the child. Like, mm-hmm. But it's so much different than that. We, we get... 
uh, resolution to the flashbacks that the Mando's having as a child. We get some hilarious stuff. I know we just got done talking about Stormtroopers missing, but that was some funny ass yeah, it was. like stuff with them <laughs> not being and they can't shoot I, the can. <laughs> can I say that for me, Jason Sudeikis is redeemed by doing Ted Lasso. If he hadn't done Ted Lasso, I would like seriously like not like him ever again because he punched Baby Yoda in this yeah. episode. But that all aside, like having IG Eleven do all that stuff that he does, and Baby Yoda's face on the on the Scout speeder bike, you know, he's all happy like he's on a ride at like an amusement park, and like <laughs> just, I mean. We we saw IG Eleven. You know how long? Uh, I'm sure you guys like Empire. I'm sure that's one of your favorite movies. And you oh, see yeah? that little bit of IG eighty eight, right? And you're thinking, what can he do? He just. I have so many questions. And Forty years series, later, we find out. Yeah, but I mean, like, you see how cool he moves awkwardly, but he can shoot everybody in that first chapter. And this, he's like on a motorcycle, just acing people. Mm-hmm. I mean, just acing people, like playing that 13-year-old kid on Call of Duty, you know what I mean, that snipes yeah. you from clear across the map. That's IG-11 in this on the speeder yeah, bike. Yeah. It was just incredible. And then you get the whole Mando lore. We get to see the jetpack. They save it to the very end. He, We know he's had some training on it, but he's not great at it. He takes down a tie with some bombs. You know, you know what I mean? Like just, oh, yeah. that's cool. And then... How stoked were you to see that saber come poking through that hull of that TIE fighter and yeah. then cut that square out? And you're just like, whoa, did not expect that thing to show up in this series. <clears throat> no, nope. yeah, not at all. Not with Captain El Polo Loco. <laughs> Los Han- Man- Hermanos. Los yeah, El Pollo no, Hermanos or El whatever Pollo it was. Hermanos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have that T-shirt. I should know that better. <laughs> so anyway, like... It just had, and you know, talking about the E-Web cannon and that whole gunfight at the cantina and like, I mean, the Mandalorian, we find out his name, he takes his helmet off, we, we find out about back to spray. Who would have so thought back to spray was a thing? That's so cool. So much yeah. to unpack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, that's why it's my favorite chapter. It's just so full of cool stuff. I mean, even the boat ride in the lava flow with the, um, the... Astromech, that's the like Volga boatman down the river of Hades as they're going to. I mean, there was so much just in that scene, like so much like poetry from Greek mythology just in that scene. So it just it has Mm -hmm. a lot of everything. Sorry, I'm just gonna gush about that. that No, it's 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 we there's not enough time in the day to talk about this episode. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned before, like this is a huge shining achievement of the show and it all culminates in the amount of references and things that are brought in from the Clone Wars, the prequels, you know, the sequel trilogy, little little touches. Just everything gets brought into this and it creates the Star Wars, you know, chili that is just so good. And I, I just actually rewatched it today, and I kind of want to go back and rewatch the episode again, both of them, the the two seven and eight, because they're just like I'm having trouble fi- like having cogent thoughts about the themes and things we see because it was just such a uh, it was like it was like when you go to a house for Halloween and there's the full size king size candy bars in there, and they're like, oh, take as many as you want. That's what this episode was. Yeah, but for Star Wars. And yeah, I'm I'm gonna ramble too because it's just wild. But Brian, what what was? How did this one hit you? So everything that Dallas and you have said is accurate. I totally agree with you guys. Um, for me though, one thing that I, I think doesn't get enough attention is the two scout troopers standing guard. <laughs> yeah, now, I've I was in the Navy. I have mm-hmm. been in that position of standing watch over a situation that you really don't want to watch, mm-hmm. and. The banter between the two of them, their whole attitude and demeanor, like some, a veteran helped write that scene, I guarantee you. That was <laughs> the most credible I've ever seen Sudeikis, is playing a bored trooper on watch. Because that's exactly what it's like, exactly. And veterans out there listening to the show, I, I think you probably agree with me. Now, yeah, I think punching the baby was a little much. Sudeikis made some jokes on Twitter about how he's, you know, he doesn't dare go to a convention now unless he's in costume. Like he's not going to show his face. But I just, I thought it was that was just a really nice touch. The rest of the, the rest of the whole finale, 
is a beautiful piece of set work from start to finish. But for me, that was just a just a little nugget that was it was like almost like they put in there for me. Like, hey, Brian, remember remember the Independence? Here, here you go. Here's here's Mail Watch. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that was great. But yeah, I, what about? I loved uh, Giancarlo Esposito's performance as Moff uh, Gideon, of course. Phenomenal. Who didn't? The guy's good in everything. I, like I'm rewatching Breaking. He's so good in this. I'm rewatching Breaking Bad. It, it's it's been so. Was that something that was difficult for you guys? Because I think we've all no. watched Breaking Bad. No, not at all. Was it? Well, well, but like having him be such a perfect villain in that show. Did you bring any knowing? Because we knew he was going to be a villain in Mandalorian when he was announced. Like we that like that kind of got broke. He kind of well, spit that out. His approach to the voice, the inflection, how the lines are delivered are completely different than Gus Fring. Sure. So yeah. it was like automatic acceptance. I mean, me, he was also eyes. in Do the Right Thing and Mo Better Blues and Malcolm X. So like, he's he's actor enough that while it is recognizably him, he's not like a Clooney. Like you see Clooney in anything, he's just no, George Clooney. Yeah. He's it's Clooney with a different name. But Esposito, like. A minor, and he's in the boys too, by the way. It's uh, again yeah. as sort of a, a smoothly corporate villain, mm-hmm. but uh, he's got he he's got the chops. He puts enough inflection in it. It, it, it. He takes me takes puts me right in the character. Yeah, there's something in the eyes to me that just like it could, because of how savage he was in Breaking Bad. That like it, immediately when he's on screen, I'm just like crapping my pants. Yeah, just, any like, second oh, someone's like, gonna get the box cutter. Any yeah, yeah. second, he just killed an officer for talking back to him. Like, <laughs> For interrupting him, too. Right? For interrupting him, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, how genius that was, was his meth lab, by the way? Genius. Oh, anyway, really like, well. I'm also yeah, watching anyway. Better Call Saul. <laughs> so good. Oh, yeah. If you're going to run a meth lab, that's pretty much how you'd want to do yeah, it. Cause the, I mean, that's, it yeah, because yeah. all the laundry com- chemicals would hide your... A couple years ago, I got a picture of myself exhaust. riding my unicycle past Walter White's house. That was like the pinnacle of Breaking Bad fandom. Oh, nice. Oh, that's God. a great photo of you, dude. Um, all right, so... If we can get into if we can get into it a little bit, um, I, I like to talk about like the grand uh, galaxy things going on, and whoever wants to take this can take it. Just from like Mo- so, Moff Gideon, he is a first of all, he's a Moff. He has a ton of Death Troopers and troops that are well maintained. By the way, that is new to this series, so he is very much like the em- trying to he's keep active. the Empire alive. He also possesses the dark saber, and we know that he was an officer that aided in the Mandalorian purge ISB. on Mandalore. Uh, yeah, in the ISB. So given all that, I mean, we'll, how did what, how, where did that send your guys' brains in terms of the whole grand Star Wars universe? Well, here's someone who lives up to the expectation of the Empire remnant. As I mentioned last week, everyone in the Empire derive their power from how much Palpatine paid attention to them. Mm-hmm. But Gideon appears to be generating his own power. His power derives from who he is, and nobody questions him. He's not saying, do what I say or I'll tell the Emperor on you, as many uh, in the in the EU as well as kind of... I know what we see in some of the comics. Like he, he doesn't he doesn't need the specter of Palpatine to bolster his his authority. He's got it himself, and it's not just because he has a dark saber. It's his willingness to do what it takes to enforce his will. That's who sure. you would want to see take over from the Empire, not some bootlicker who's like, oh well, Palpatine liked me best, and I brought him coffee in this mug one time, so you should follow me. Gideon's like, look, here are my troops. We will all kill you, and you have to do exactly what I say, or every everything you know is about to end. And that's the kind of might that an imperial remnant needs to bring. Like, yeah, hey, we got beat, but I didn't get beat, and I think he does mm-hmm. it very well. But what I like mm-hmm. about what he said too is, um, you know, Mando wants some reassurance. Oh, you know, but I, we can't trust the guy. And he's like, no, my I will always do what's in my best interest. He just flat out says, no, I you can't trust me. I'm gonna do what's best for me right now. Keeping you alive is in my best interest. So you're alive but when i no longer need you i will just ace you you know he just Mm. if he someone gets in his way he doesn't need to tell him the emperor or Mm. go get you know he just takes care of business i didn't catch if he said it flat out but like the only thing i think that kept mando alive in that is that gideon wanted the child alive yeah Mm. an airstrike an orbital bombardment is all that like i'm sorry you're holed up in this stone hut But, uh, you know, these here meet my ion cannons like he just he wanted the asset. He didn't want to kill everybody. Well, like he said, there's no, you have no idea how important that asset is to him. 
you know. Well, I mean, yeah, Dallas. For whatever what you, reason, what you, that what is think what he, he wants with the baby. Like what? I I have thought about what it could possibly be, and I can't come up with anything that mm. is even like worthy of. I. It, I still think there's a, there's climb. one or two puzzle pieces to this story they haven't told us, so I don't even mm-hmm. want to speculate because I, I I don't have enough evidence to even like tell you. Hey, I think it could be this. I mean, right now, I mean, the only thing I can come up with is he's somehow linked to Palpatine, and maybe this. Sure. And didn't that doctor do have this... some type of clone Camino? Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. it has yep. something to do with the genetic makeup of the child or something to do with the, the midichlorian count or he is a clone of Yoda and they're using that to maybe experiment on ways to keep Sheev alive. That's the only thing I can come up with without any more like evidence to go on. I think everything you said are possibilities, yeah. Don't discount his birth year. He was born the same year as Anakin Skywalker. True. The child. I this there has to be relevance to that. In what it is, I have no freaking idea. And if there but, isn't, you know, oh well. It's yeah, I'll yeah. be okay with it. You know, but it's yeah. it's tied to I mean as you saw, my room is filled with Vader stuff. So anything having yeah. to do with Anakin, I'm just like, yeah. all right, I'm interested. You got me. Hey, the the force is clearly the uh the fulcrum point for why this child's important. Yeah. So I, I so it, it's got so I think at the end of the day it, it needs to have something to do with that, whether that's Moff Gideon has a lightsaber and wants to be an Emperor-like figure with power. If he was aware of the Emperor's power, then it had something to do with the Force. Or if he is trying to... He doesn't seem like the selfless type that would be trying to give... Use the baby to to bring back the Emperor in a way. I think that'd be a too grandiose of a theme for this show. I think it's going to be more selfish and about him. Um, But that's just kind of like how I would view it. I don't know. I think that'd be really bold of them to get into the Palpatine stuff and start delving into like the Skywalker trilogy level lore. I think that'd be insane, but Hey, this shows the probably some of the best star Wars content we have. So, uh, if they want to go for it, all power to them. Yeah. Brian, you raise your hand, like the most excited kid in math class with the answer. (laughs) Nerd. (laughs) We know from rise of Skywalker (laughs) that you can clone a force sensitive being and they, the clone will also be force sensitive. So I think on an aspect of this could be, okay, so if we get a hold of this infant from what is apparently a universally force-wielding species, mm-hmm. I mean, he does stuff as a 50-year-old toddler that we've seen trained Jedis unable to do. Mm-hmm. Also, at this point, there are very few force users extant in the galaxy, right? Like Ahsoka might be knocking around out there somewhere, but she's... She's there. She's alive. Okay, yeah. so... But she's got to be getting on in years, and she's certainly not doing much, at least. Like, we haven't been told that. I mean, she missed out the entire Galactic Civil War, so what's she doing now? Maybe we'll find out Friday. I hope so. I hope we will. (laughs) But at any rate, um, a Force-using creature which can be taught, trained, you know, like, ostensibly, he's a toddler. Gideon may have hopes of, like, raising this guy as his his own little mini-vader. You know, like, if, if he can... If you adopt a kid at that age who's a human, by the time they're grown, they have no idea that you aren't their entire, you know, the only father they've ever had. So that could be an issue. Gideon could be aiming to clone the child, and, ha- and now I've got an army of even, even if he gets, the clones have a fraction of the power that the child is wielding, that's still an army of cloned force-using troopers at your disposal. Or he could go the boy's route and be trying to extract the force from, somehow from the child and make it a deliverable form here let me pull the force out of him and stick it in me and now i have the dark saber a complement of troops and i can use the force game over yeah who needs palpatine when you can make yourself palpatine that's a good point yeah it's uh it's something that i definitely uh definitely see i mean and we can start bringing in relevant trailer information i think now like a lot of us seeing the ice planet that he's crashed on think that it's Ilum. I am questioning that because at this point, Ilum is a forgotten planet that only Luke knows how to find, and it's been mined and messed up by the Empire already. So I don't think that's it. But, but who it wasn't knows? Starkiller base yet either. So not yet. No, 
so I don't know who knows what it is, but its relevance to the Jedi has since been erased, I think, unfortunately. I'm reluctant to assume that just because we see an ice planet, it must be an ice planet we've seen previously. It's Hoth or it's Elam. That's it. It can't be anything else. Just like, We're going to Echo Base. When we first saw the trailers for planet. Force Awakens, everybody just assumed that was Tatooine. I called it Natooine. <laughs> like, yeah, sorry, you know, we got all this sand. We're going to film it, but it's going to be a different planet. So sure. I, I don't know, but I, I hope it's I hope it's a new planet. I, I like to see the galaxy get bigger, not contract. Well, we know that his his purpose in life is to train this baby, protect it, and get it to the Jedi, his people. I mean, of course, we've all heard the rumors about Ahsoka being in it, and that would be someone... Who who would you trust a baby with more than Ahsoka? Like, are you kidding me? She's like, number one, babysitter USA. Are you kidding me? She'd be the number one person I'd want to give that child to. So, And that gives her a purpose, by the way. That also keeps her alive so Filoni never has to kill her. Daniel, <laughs> this is one thing that, that I can't art? allow to have happen. If they have... What if you know we see Ahsoka in the first episode... He hands the baby to her, and then the child's not in the show anymore. I'll I'll be I'll be so mad. I want. I feel like Mando Monday had like nine different child toys. They're not phasing that kid out of this show yeah. until it wraps. I, I couldn't I I couldn't handle that. Like I this year has just been so freaking terrible. If they do that to me, I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> I do hope oh. that they don't go the route that I felt the EU went, which was to kind of. Like, all right, well, it seems like the only conflict we can come up with is the Jedi versus the Sith. So now here's one more Jedi who has miraculously escaped the Purge. They already did it with Fallen Order. They've done it with a few other characters. Like, I mean, it, it got in the EU, it got to the point where it felt like the only Jedi who were actually killed in the Purge are the ones we see on screen die. Everyone else just yes. went behind. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd, I'd like to think, not that I could do any better, I'm not trying to be that Star Wars fan. I was like, well, they need to use my idea. But I'd like to see them go a different route, you know, like maybe, yeah, like that face exactly. <laughs> they, all, they all sound like that to me anymore. I mean, honestly, some aspects of the fandom really cooled me out on Star Wars for the last year. I've just kind of been desperately hanging on to my little corner that I like of Star Wars. Because, like, the more I talked with Star Wars fans out in the field, the less I enjoyed the, the, the fandom. Yeah, like, true you're, that, you're kind of taking me out of it. And I don't want anybody else's failure to enjoy a show to affect my enjoyment of it. But that said, I would really like to see the child trained in the, in more trained as a Mandalorian than trained in the force. He doesn't need a lot of training. <laughs> Look what he can already do. <laughs> well, I, but we've seen, I'll push back on that though, Brian, cause we see in a lot of different media that children, especially babies just have there. They have incredible, uh, incredible abilities in the force that are just based off pure like instinct emotion so like you see you see this in clone wars you see uh there's a lot of examples in clone wars actually actually you see it in um rebels too so i don't know he's not i don't think that baby has like the ability he's just like oh like well this is my like my dude that protects me i gotta just like put this force wall up to save everyone from the fire like it's just a very base survival like the force surrounds people when they're about to die. I mean, we see this happen to Leia, who we know had a pretty minimal amount of training, but she gets thrown out into space, and the force just surrounds well, her and allows her. Minimal. To she be had saved. a lightsaber. Is that does that come early? I would say minimal, and it was like you know only like a year. You know, I mean, like less. Well, look, she wasn't. Like, she didn't go through the trials. Look what Luke did with fifteen how minutes. Many, how many weeks? Luke was there for months. Yeah, well, all right. We can go. All right, we can go <laughs> all over. Let's not show. let's not po- poke holes in George Lucas's life. because <laughs> yeah. it's really easy saying, to do it. I'm just saying, like, she, the, the I, I felt like those the, the reactions by the child were more base instinct things uh, sure. out of protection sure. uh, than than any actual like you know like do do the magic hand thing, baby. And he's like, Wee. you know, like that's a hilarious scene. By the way, two we've, things we've talked about this, but I I think you're right talking about the instinctive use of it. Um, when the original trilogy came out, to me, the Force wasn't like what I used to refer to as the, the video gamification of the Force. You know, Kenobi doesn't say to Luke, Luke, you leveled up Force accuracy the last time you increased a level. Use yeah. Force accuracy. He says use the Force. And I yeah, thought the yeah, Force yeah. was just like this kind of space magic where you're just like good things happen and then it happens you know what you need happens and, and yeah it's become more of a categorized force speed force push force choke like it's all just kind of i need this to happen 
make it happen kind of thing. And I think that maybe that's what the child is operating on that kind of level. But I don't know. I don't have strong opinions on his training. I think it'd be, it'd be cool to see whatever they do. I mean, Favreau, I'll take it. Whatever he serves up, I I will have a second helping, please. Well, think about his, the, the baby, the child. And when we first see him use the force, when he stops that mud, mud horn. And, but then we see him trying to use it again, like in episode six, when the droid was, it what's that droid? Zero? What was that droid's name? Um, uh, zero. Yeah, he's, he's got like it's like zero B one something or else. But yeah, he goes to zero. shoot him. He goes to yeah. shoot the child. The child puts his hand up, and then you see the blast. And then he he looks at his hand like, did I do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's yeah, getting yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But that's then such in, a hilarious. Scene. I don't know if it was seven or eight, but when he holds the flame trooper back with the force and then throws him out, the like he's getting stronger. It seems like he's kind of coming into his own. You know, he's healing grief. He's he's. He hasn't had any training, but he's developing like an awareness of, you know, hey, I can do some pretty cool stuff. Sure. And I don't, I just, I, I'm so obsessed with that stinking thing. I know you and, are, man. And I know you I, are. I hate that I am because it's, I'm, I'm, I've been hooked. Like they threw the bait out. I took the bait and I'm just like, here, take all my dough. Give me some. This is proof that you have stuff. a, that you have a heart and soul. Um. All right. So we're about, we're about at time for talking about this one, but I just want to go around the horn and uh, we'll, we'll uh, start with Dallas. Uh, just what's like one wish list thing from season two that you want to see, and and we're gonna see Friday start starting Friday with episode one. It's like one wish list thing. Nothing to feel like it's filling in story in any one chapter. Okay. What, what I mean by that is, I don't want a chapter to be a, a gap filler between mm-hmm. like a story arc. Like there's not enough episodes for those kind of shenanigans. I want them to keep up with what they did in the first season. All me. Sure. So I, I, I'm not setting any expectations above in that. I, that's just my one hope. You know what I mean? I, I think they'll knock our socks off. So I, I'm just going to go with my confidence in their storytelling and like what they give me is going to be good because they didn't disappoint me last time. I mean, chapter five, it's not our favorite, but I mean, at the end of the day, sure. it didn't feel like a filler episode. And it was a unique story on its own. I mean, it fell flat yeah. at times, but I mean, I'd rather have that than some kind of you know, like we got a lot of times in the animated series. So that's my hope mm-hmm. is that we just, we get a solid, like we did the first season, solid story arc. Sure. I, I, I very much want that too. Brian, what do you think? What are you looking for? I'm interested to see what was the tipping point at which wearing helmets all the time became the way. Cause in clone wars, we see Mandalorians hardly ever wear a helmet unless they actually need it. It's like a motorcycle helmet. Yeah, you got it, but you're not wearing it all the time. And mm. in, in this one, Mando almost lets himself die rather than remove his helmet. So I want to know when that became so important and how. And sure. I don't put that in like, oh, they better tell me that. I'm interested. I hope we learn that. Again, so more, I, 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 I more want to be very careful lore. as a Star Wars fan. I want to be very careful to say I'm not trying to dictate how the story should go. Sure. Having seen my favorite character has a grandchild that we never knew about. I, it, it was a learning experience for me. Like, okay, that's not what I wanted, but having seen it, I kind of dig it. So I'm really not, I'm, I'm not uh, setting up any any hurdles that they have to clear for me to, to like it or not. I'm, I'm sure, like we said last week, Favreau was one of us. He's a fan before he was a director. And I think what he does with his fandom treats it with the respect that we would want someone to treat it with. Mm-hmm. All right, G, what about you, man? What do you? What's a wish list thing for you? I have done a very... <clears throat> I'm gonna edit that out because I'm coughing over here. I've done pretty good though. I haven't coughed much tonight. Me too. I've been trying to. I've been going into my robe. Um, I've made a conscious effort to not give myself any expectations for the show. I had a lot of mm-hmm. expectations for season one. None of the stuff I thought was gonna happen happened, but I still loved it. Basically, it was basically like Rise of Skywalker. I had no idea that stuff was gonna happen, but I didn't know what I wanted until I saw it, you know? Sure. Um, and I was super happy with it. And I don't think if they just go ahead and concentrate on a, a story that makes sense, I, I'm trying to, trying to keep an open mind and, and just let them blow me away, which is what they did in season one. I mean, literally yeah. like, the episode five was my least favorite episode, but it was still an awesome episode. So mm-hmm. if that's the worst they could do, I think that we're all going to be really happy. Um, sure. And you know, 
we know we've heard rumors about different characters that may or may not make an appearance and if they do that's fantastic if i don't see them on in episode one of season two i'm not gonna freak out and go on twitter and start tearing my shirt off and pleading in the streets but you know some people are going to do that um i'm just looking forward to some good weekly star wars for you know a couple of months you know it's 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 been too long it's gonna be really refreshing especially with how how much we know live action Star Wars content has gotten delayed by you know the the uh state of the world um the things i'm looking for so small wishlist thing and i think we'll probably get it but it's not a big deal i kind of want to see a jedi don't care who it is but see a jedi come into the show once even for the briefest moment that would just be rad um and, and as far as like a grand theme something that i want the show to do for me over the course of the season is i want it to challenge me in a way, I feel like too often um, Star Wars things just fit into me like a puzzle piece and it's just like perfect for me. Like Rise of Skywalker, I almost don't like how much I love every single part of that movie because uh, it was exactly what I wanted. It, it, it's almost like I wrote that movie, to be honest with you, because I just loved every second of it, like down to the color of Ray's saber and everything. Um, so I'd like to be challenged by something that I don't necessarily love right away that I can chew on and digest over the course of the year and helps me grow as a fan. Um, that's really something that I'm looking for. I dig it. I'm looking forward to it. That's exactly what Mandalorian was for me. It was not Same. anything I expected yeah. to appreciate. I was just watching it because it was available. Yeah. And we're all going to dig it. So I'm looking forward to it. A few more days, man, we're going to be able to see it and we're going to, uh, be able to digest it and then we'll do this all again. So, um, before we close everything all up, Dallas, why don't you, uh, plug your awesome podcast? Connor well, Rui may not know about it yet. I doubt anybody <laughs> listening. It's at it's the Bad Motivators podcast. We do a weekly show. It's shenanigans like this, but it's really fun. It's one of the few that myself. I listen to. If you want to hear me cuss, it will. <laughs> That's the show. <laughs> That's kind of the best part of the show. Then, if you want to hear no, me I'm drunk and cussing, you can subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> we also talk about Star Trek on there. If you like Star Trek. So, oh yes, me and Sweet. Steve, me and Steve, we've got a Star Trek show on there. It's fun. I love it. You got to awesome. pay to play. You get what you pay for, baby. Oh, you do. We have uh, over ninety-eight episodes, or maybe over hundred and eight. I can't remember. Just in a year since we started it, so no oh, kidding. Wow. Yeah, there's there's a lot of Star Trek content. You guys cover. record a no, lot. No, no, just us. But I mean, like Eric's got a metal show where he talks about music, and you know, Luke's got comic book shows, and we have like sports mm-hmm. shows. So yeah, I dig it. Stuff. It's good. Anyway, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming, dude. No, it's a pleasure having you. It's been too long. Yeah, I I miss talking Star Wars with you, man. I I I I think back to that night we had at Chicago Pizza and Oven Grinders, like the whole group, and we just think me and you were throwing back Long Island, just having a ball. We're having a blast. It was fun. (laughs) Yeah, you guys were pretty ripped. It was awesome. Oh yeah, dude, I was ripped that whole week, man. Oh man, my liver was like, bro, what are you doing? I'm still recovering from that, and that was 18 months ago. But, um, all right, well, we'll wrap this one up, but make sure you guys check out uh, Quick Shot of Baraxium that comes out on Mondays. I'm Mondays. It comes out on, I'll start that again. Make sure you check out Baraxium Quick Shot with uh, Daniel Miller and Chris Ryans. They uh, put this awesome comic video together every week. Um, it's released on Wednesdays, so check them out. Check out the Alliance of Star Wars Fanatics and um, obviously the Bad Motivators if you're inclined to do that as well. It's a great show. Um, and, uh, Hope you guys liked listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.